0: What's up, man?
1: Are you uh, ready to talk about episode one, The Phantom Menace?
0: I have been born ready since 1998, which isn't my birth year, but still. Or no, in 1999? When did this come out?
1: 1999.
0: Yeah, see? I've been waiting since then.
1: You've been waiting since 1998. You went to go see the uh, trailer that aired before Meet Joe Black, right? (laughs) (laughs)
0: Because <laughs> that was the only way you could see it. Yeah. Like, I didn't care about the movie Pre, at all. Yeah, pre-internet days. Oh, my God. You actually
1: had to go to the theater to see the full theatrical trailer.
0: This is also, like, the way that, like, cable would get you to watch stuff that, you know, normally wouldn't get this kind of runtime. Yeah. So, like, they'd have this random cop show or something like that. And it just, like, doesn't get the attention that it deserves, right? Yeah. And they're like, all right, we we need to pump up the numbers. Let's put an exclusive trailer for Star <laughs> Wars Episode One. During like the you know the forty five minute mark, right, and that way people have to watch the whole thing because they don't know it's going to be at the forty five minute yes. mark or whatever, and yeah. that's how it happens.
1: Tune- yeah, well, I think the way that they would phrase it would be like tune in during the second commercial break for yeah. an exclusive look at whatever. So, yeah, yeah,
0: something like that. So that's yeah, that was a good old day. I story. did hear a
1: rumor that it also aired before The Water Boy. Yeah, which we probably actually. <gasps> potentially would have seen
0: dude i actually saw a uh, like a pre-showing of that
1: oh because <laughs> i mean I've,
0: I've been to a couple of them but like that was the very first one where like you know you got to sit in the crowd and like interact with like the studio heads and whatnot okay. and i proudly wore for like years after that a waterboy t-shirt that i got from the dang thing <laughs> I don't know why, but it was like this is so cool. I love this shirt. It was just a white shirt with the blue logo, and I was like, I thought I was like top dog when I wore it. Nice. I probably wore it to go see Star Wars. Yeah. Probably- <laughs> yeah.
1: This is the first time I saw the trailer.
0: Yeah. It's like it makes sense now. So, but yeah, dude, I am totally ready to talk about this. Are you ready to talk about this? Yeah. All right. Ootsa Puta everybody. Hello and welcome to Garrido Shot First. My name is Connor. I'm Andrew. And we're here to talk Star Wars, all things Star Wars, and anything even friggin' related to Star Wars. But today, exclusively, we are going to be doing our first movie review for episode one. The Phantom Menace. The Phantom Menace, man. The Phantom Menace. <laughs> the Phantom Menace. And we, you know, we've already talked a lot about who is or what is the Phantom Menace, but today we're actually going to talk about the source of the Phantom Menace, the... The movie named Phantom of the Menace, I guess. Yes. I'm not totally sure. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, uh, no news to anything, that, anything like that today. No other big topics like this is going to be part of our, uh, I guess you consider it eight part series.
1: Yeah. To me, this is our road to the rise of Skywalker.
0: Yeah. OK. This is the road to the rise. Of, that's a good title. Let's just let's put it that way. Yes. road to the right. Yeah. Whatever you said. I like it. Uh,
1: well, that's <laughs> like the name. I mean, I'm stealing that from.
0: <laughs> well, they say journey.
1: Oh, they do say journey. So, so we we're can take the, the road. road. Yeah. Yes.
0: And, unless somebody else took the road, then this we'll take the th- lane. This, yeah. <laughs> and then if they, someone has the lane. Lanes
1: are developing in <laughs> the field in the rise of Skywalker. We'll take the bypass. We'll yes. get up there. <laughs> HOV lane. There's two of us here. <laughs> High occupancy.
0: Oh, my God. So, yeah. Uh, let's get right into it. Uh, like I said, for our first review, we got, we're going to go in, uh, you know, numerical order. Today, we're starting episode one. Yeah. Star Wars: and Phantom Menace.
1: To me, I guess, just a very brief comment on that is like this is kind of us expressing like the fact that we are millennials <laughs> reviewing Star Wars. Yeah. Like, I think if we were like Gen Xers, we would start with episode four.
0: True, and like I, I think I, I still kind of I, I think I subscribe to that. I think just because when I when, like, even I first started dating, uh-huh. I explained to her, I was like, the way I think you should see it yeah. is that Four, way. Four, five, six, with one, two, three. Because I yeah. feel like when it comes to the structure of the movies, right. it has that much more punch.
1: Well, that's, I mean, that's, I think, an age-old question, like, the, like if you were an alien, you know, yeah. truly, like, watching Star Wars for the first time, like, would, I don't think watching the first three movies would make any sense... If you hadn't already seen four, five, six.
0: Well, that's just it, yeah. Like, and the the way that like a lot of popularity came out of one through three is because there's a lot of subtle fan service. Right. There's a lot of, uh, I mean, there's yeah. some that are subtle and some that are like super obvious. Right. But I mean, that's just it. And like, I remember, like, I, I, so I just, you know, we just recently watched, we both just recently watched Phantom Menace to get ourselves pumped for this. Yeah. And just like, like I said, just finishing it up recently, I was just thinking to myself like. There's so much of everything in this movie. Yeah. And like, you know, there, you can understand where there's the gripes and like people kind of give it, you know, downplay and everything like that. But there's also a lot of exciting stuff. And it's like, you can see where the magic was in this movie when it came out. Right. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, absolutely. But I like that. That's honestly like, it's, you it made me think about it. Like, cause it's just, I don't know. I, 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 I cause it's like I said, there's just so much detail from four through six that like one through three just won't have that same punch. Yeah. And I think like once we get to like episodes two and three, we'll talk about their relation to the other movies and everything as we go. Right. Especially, you know, the one we're going to start with. So that's just it. Yes. Ugh, but let's get into it. Um, so Phantom Menace, written and directed by none other than George Lucas. Yeah. And uh, starring Ewan McGregor, Jake Lloyd, I. Yeah, Liam Neeson, Natalie Portman, Ian McDermott, Anthony Daniels, Kenny Baker, and uh, I was about to say Chewbacca. Chewbacca wasn't in there. It's no. the third one. <laughs> Sorry. No my, Chewbacca in this one. My cast list got disappeared. Oh. <laughs> uh, and uh, just to read a small synopsis courtesy of uh, Rotten Tomatoes, of all people, just because that was the first one I could find. And everyone who's seen it, I mean, I think you know what's going
1: on. <laughs> yeah. but this is basically. If, if you're listening to this, like our whatever episode of this show <laughs> that we've been doing for over a year now by the time you're hearing this one. Right. Like, you're going to – you've probably seen The Phantom Menace. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, so let's just get into it. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, played by uh, Ewan McGregor, is a young apprentice Jedi knight under the tutelage of Qui-Gon Jinn, Liam Neeson. Anakin Skywalker, Jake Lloyd, who will later father Luke Skywalker and become known as Darth Vader, is just a nine-year-old boy when the Trade Federation cuts off all ra- um, all routes to the planet Naboo, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan are assigned to settle the matter. The end.
1: Like, <laughs> like I mean, that's just like, <laughs> uh, that. well, I mean, first off, it's a reminder that, yes, like 456 came first, probably, yeah. like, you know, in, in terms of actual release order. They're like, all
0: right, spoiler. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everything, get, like, you know, it's going to happen here. You should know already. Yes. You
1: know. <laughs> And not, not only that, but like, you should know this and you should know what happens literally six movies from now.
0: That's yeah. That's also (laughs) true. It's like, by the way, this little kid, he's going to be the super evil dude from like, you know, the first three, which are now the, you know, middle three, the middle three or whatever. Mm. But to get back at it. So, like I said, I just finished watching this and I got to say like it, you know, it it doesn't age well, and like I did watch it on Blu-ray. Yeah, but I mean, like I said right at the beginning, there are still a lot of exciting parts to this.
1: Well, I agree. I mean, I think you know my my major takeaway, having also just rewatched it, is like. If this wasn't the most hyped film release in cinema history, right? When it came out, and I think it is. Like, I don't think anything compares to it. I don't think Episode Seven compares to it. I don't think anything in like the MCU compares to it. Well, it
0: was just such a big gap,
1: right? Exactly. I, I think, mean, it's yeah. I mean, even you know between Episode Three and Episode Seven, you're only talking about like ten years, basically. If that, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, compared to this was over twenty years after the first film was released. It was. More than fifteen years since the final film of the original trilogy was released.
0: No one expected it to happen. Right. I know that there was like there was stuff out to, you know to make cartoons and live action shows. Like there was there was theories going around they were going to do like a live action series based on the original character.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Like for the longest time before you know the prequels were ever a thing. Yeah, And I remember thinking to myself, like, that'd be cool. See, like, the adventures of Boba Fett and Han Solo and stuff like that, you know. Because, I mean, at the time, you know, Harrison Ford was still young enough to kind of portray it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think there there was some real rumors. I mean, so I think a lot of Star Wars history is kind of told in terms of, like, there was the movies. Then they kind of, we entered what's called, like, the Dark Ages, if you will. Like, from, like, the kind of the... Mid 80s through like the mid 90s.
0: Yeah. Cause it just, I mean, that was basically the dawn, like the dawn of the toys. Right. The toys yeah, took I mean, over. Pro- yeah. Uh, I think games took over. And yeah. like comics and everything like that. As well as EU, as you were right. saying. Yeah. I mean,
1: I, I always point at like 1995 whenever they did the, the home VHS version. Uh, like box mm-hmm. set. That was like the first box set that I even really remember seeing.
0: Yeah, like of of anything. That's what the ones that you and you and me both got. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah. And that was a big deal. Yeah. Right? That, I mean, that basically introduced it to a whole new. Right. I know. mean, it
1: certainly did. I mean, that's I think what introduced it to us.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, yeah you know, we started seeing bits and pieces. I was thinking about this too, like just as like an off shot. but like, just like different, not parodies, but like, well, I mean, I guess parodies work. You know, parodies and like. um I don't know, kind of uh, uh, memorials to Star Wars, I guess you could say. Like different different shows would show like different references to Star Wars and stuff like that. You always hear like, Luke, I am your father, even though it's, like, yeah, a, you that's know, the wrong line yeah. and stuff like that. But I don't know. I, it was just making me think of that because I think what it was for me more than anything else, It's this is going to sound kind of stupid, it was the Muppet Babies
1: no i completely agree that is honestly like my like go-to source for like when they did the star wars like i I
0: think it was rolf didn't want to get a bath or whatever (laughs) and so like gonzo was all about star wars and star trek and then like they just jumped they kept jumping and jumping and like how was it kermit was like kermit frog hopper or something yes like that. yes <laughs> uh, yeah oh but yeah they had like they had like real life scenes from like episodes one through th- well four through six yeah and it was just like oh it looks so cool yeah it's probably what led us into yeah. yes
1: my my grandmother had like she like recorded it off the tv really yeah oh that's cool. and like i i mean i probably watched it three times a week at least <laughs> Like growing up.
0: Cause it was so exciting. Yeah. He's like, we gotta see the real thing. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> well, yeah. So.
1: But yeah. But so anyway, that's <laughs> what I'm getting at is, you know, I believe that this was the most hyped film in cinema history. Oh yeah. And if it wasn't that this would be, we would look at this and say, it's a fine kind of weird sci-fi adventure. You know, it, it's just kind of a good popcorn flick. Yeah. But instead it has this kind of deified and also vilified place in film history as well.
0: That's very true. Uh, I mean it was it was revered. It was like it was once it came out, I mean, the, the critics came in. They were just, it was like, you know, great. He did it again. It was so great. You know, can't imagine him topping himself ever again as this dude is. It's amazing. <laughs> but, I, I mean, so the last time we met, I was talking to you about the Inside Star Wars podcast. Yes. Um, one of the things he talked about in the podcast was, like, eventually when he started making the prequels. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, he got into development of episode one. He was going through all that and everything. There's a point where they talk about this gentleman. I can't remember his name, but he was like from Australia and he actually flew out to the man's Chinese theater and camped out for like, I want to say like two to four weeks or something like that before the premiere of the movie. Right. Uh And he was the first in line. It was a big deal and everything. Like you were saying, like everyone was just making a huge deal out of it. And so he goes into the movie. And he's like on, you know, he's on the front page of newspapers and everything like that. And once he comes out, people are just like, "What'd you think? How'd you like it?" And apparently, he hated it. Yeah. And it was like, what? <laughs> you know. And then there's another side of this too. There's a whole movie made around the idea of seeing Episode One.
1: Fanboys. Fanboys. It's a great movie. Yeah. You've seen it? I have, yeah. I think we might have watched it together once upon a time.
0: (laughs) But yeah, I mean, so you know what I'm saying. It was like the whole thing where they were just trying to go and see it, trying to see the cut before it came out in theaters and everything like that. I just remember the last line in the movie, and this is like a spoiler for anything, but it's just them all standing in line to go see it, and the one guy goes, what if it sucks? And then it just cuts out right there. So like from that and then, you know, I think everyone kind of growing up away from it, Mm-hmm. Definitely started to peel some of the varnish off, right. you know, and, you know, you can you could start to see all the errors and everything like
1: that. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's just, it is a movie for very little children. I mean, you know, it's, I mean, we are the same age. We're both 30 and like, I think even seeing it at age 10, like I was almost too old for it. You know?
0: Yeah. Well, like some
1: of just like the slapstick and the jar jar of it all.
0: That's kind of what I was like, yeah. I mean, Jar Jar had some funny moments. So I mean, especially if you saw it for the first time, you're like, Well, this is kinda of funny. Yeah. And then you're kinda of like, okay. And then okay. Yeah. Forty five minutes in, and all of a sudden he's leading the army. And well, like- and,
1: and like there's this moment, you know, like the first line that he kind of has like at the battle when he's leading the army, like he's actually telling everybody, Steady. Stubble. Stubble. Steady Stubble. <laughs> And, like, you kind of think, okay, maybe this is, like, a turning point and he's going to... He's going to be kind of heroic yeah. or something. And then, like, the very next time we see him, he's just... Uh, it's just terrible. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. He falls off his uh, Kadu or Yopi or whichever one that is. <sighs> yeah. I always get those two confused. The One's the one on Tatooine, and then the other is the one that the Gungans use. The
0: Yopi is on Tatooine. Okay, so I know then that. he's on the Kadu. Yeah, because... Uh, um... Oh man, what's her name? I know that Obi Wan has a female Eop. Oh yeah, I, I just know it from the novel. Yeah, but I can't remember her freaking name. She was like her, you know, the trusty companion. Yeah, feel, you know? yeah. I
1: think he even like he has like a moment with her in uh, hmm. in Rebels, I believe.
0: Most likely, uh, uh, Rue. I think it might be the name. I think you're right. Yeah, Rue the the Eop. Yes. All right, but yeah. So um, I guess that's true because both of those both of those creatures actually make like you know appearances in have, episode 1 they have big uh,
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> lots of uh, showtime
0: oh my god uh all right so i think we can both safely say that like jar jar is definitely the crux of like i think everyone's kind of like annoyance with the movie
1: i mean i think partially but i think there's other areas that i don't like okay um i mean so this is something <clears throat> that i I honestly almost brought up in a previous episode, but I wanted to save it.
0: Cool. Let's do it.
1: Uh, so, you know, one of the big kind of behind the scenes factoids about episode one is that originally Qui-Gon Jinn was not going to be in it very much.
0: Right. Yeah. I remember you talking about that. It was, it was going to be, um, it was just going to be Obi-Wan as a Jedi Knight at the time. Yes. Right? Yeah. He
1: would like not really be any older than he necessarily is, but he would just be like a young Jedi Knight. Yeah. And- and he would be the one that kind of does all of the adventure by himself up until the point where they make it to Coruscant. Ah. And then he would go consult his former master, Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon Jin. And then from that point, Qui-Gon would join the story, and it would play out the same way that it does. Yeah,
0: with him ultimately meeting his fate. Right. And, uh, yeah. Wow, that, you know what? That might have had, I don't know if it would have had more or less com- like conflict or something like that or anything like that well
1: i guess there's two two sentiments to that okay i think the positive is it would make the obi-wan and anakin dynamic so much better yeah that it was ultimately obi-wan that found him
0: it was yeah well you know what that's true because if you think about it it's just it's just a handshake on the ship yeah because well that's yeah
1: i mean that's something i want to get into in a little bit in (laughs) terms of like my complaints with the film fair enough um but, yeah, I, I just feel like that's such, like, an underwhelming moment.
0: Well, yeah, because it's just pleased to meet you. Yeah, yeah. He's like, kind of comes off, like, a yeah. twist there. But, yeah, like, the Jake Lloyd Yeah, 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 no, so All right, so I guess to add to my, you know, to add to it on my end, uh-huh. you know, I mean, Jar Jar, I really honestly could take her leave. You know what, you know what Jar Jar is, and thus you can kind of accept it, right? Right. You know? It, the the problem I think that I always come back to, and I is no gripe against the kid himself. It's just Jake, Jake Lloyd. Lloyd. I think that like getting him as young as they did was a problem.
1: Well, so that's another behind the scenes thing that okay. all of like me- several iterations of the draft script mm-hmm. portrayed Anakin at at least twelve years old.
0: something yeah, like burgeoning preteens, right? right. Yeah, adolescents. Yes. Yeah, and I mean to, to that end, it would make sense. So like. Even now, like, years later after the movies come out, like, with new comics and new storylines coming out, you know, all around times around or before, like, the events of Phantom Menace, you start to see that, like, Anakin was not the only one who was brought into the fold at a late age.
1: Yeah. I mean, they talk about Count Dooku was fairly late discovery. He
0: was late. Uh, Obi-Wan was kind of late.
1: Well, he was... Yeah, he was late as well as for being picked as an apprentice. Right,
0: as a right, right, right. Yeah, but he was a baby when he got brought. That's what it was. Yeah. And then Rail, Rail Avaros, Right. the other side of it. Like, he was brought in when he was, like, what, like five or six? Or, mm-hmm. He had enough memory of his home world to kind of affect him in that way. Right. Because that's the whole idea when they bring kids in. I mean, we've gone over this before. When they bring kids into the Jedi fold, it's usually they want to get them young enough so that they can't have any kind of ties to their home world, so that they're that much more—I mean, malleable, I guess you could say. Right. You know, but so to that end, if they brought someone in that was 12 years old or something like that, or I mean, an obvious like, you know, preteen teenager, whatever it is, it's like, first of all, it wouldn't make the dynamic. It would make the dynamic between him and Padme that much more believable. Right. Because you could have said there's a difference of three years versus like almost seven. Yeah. Or something like that. You know. Yeah. And it's just like it just doesn't make any sense and like padme natalie portman like in that time frame i mean she was small enough that she looked like she could just be in her like early to mid-teens right right? she could have been portrayed as 15 or 16
1: yeah well and she i mean well she is playing 14 in the film
0: that's right yeah like she's a real young queen and everything like that but it's still like it's nine and 14 like it's that I don't know. The galaxy works in mysterious ways. Yeah. it's just it's just kind of weird. So, but
1: well, and actually, on on her front, that's kind of another like just portrayal that you know it's like I mean we all know that Natalie Portman is a pretty great actress, and oh, she she's is. she's won the Academy Award before. She's been nominated multiple times for Best Actress. She's great. Um, and like, and it's funny because she had done two very acclaimed roles before.
0: Star Wars. But she did what? Leon the She Professional. did Leon the
1: Professional oh, and then she was in a film called Beautiful Girls. Which yeah. is this it's like I mean, it's kind of creepy. It's like about this guy who like has untoward feelings towards like his fourteen <laughs> year old niece or whatever.
0: Okay, so I mean it's kind of feeding into the whole, you know, Skywalker dynamic at that point.
1: Yeah. Uh, basically <laughs> no
0: all right so real hot take what would you rather have in the sense of awkwardness would you have the huge age gap between anakin and padme or would you have the weird passionate kiss between luke and leia because <laughs> um, one's a cr- like robbie the cradle the other one's just an un like an unbeknownst to them form of incestual love i guess you
1: say. yeah well, I guess my my issue with it is this. So, like, the whole, like, Luke-Leia kiss is literally just Leia trying to make Han feel jealous. Right. Um,
0: and I didn't know they were related at the time.
1: Right. But so I think that makes it worse to me, <laughs> where it's like, you know, it's fine. Like, after a certain age, it's all, it's all gravy. <laughs>
0: It's true. Once you're old, like old enough to like order your first Blue Russian, I think you're okay. That's you right. <laughs> you're okay, for, you know, in their book or whatever. But so yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I well, yeah. So Natalie, only like I said, she's she's a great actress. Everyone's pretty dang great in the movie. You know. Well,
1: what? I don't really, I don't particularly care for her portrayal. Mm. I mean, I think honestly, she does get better in the subsequent films. Yeah. But
0: she, well, I I guess what I'm trying to get at is she just acts her heart out. She wants to do her best, but it's like everyone else is kind of like holding her back. I don't know.
1: Well, I don't, I don't know if it's that. I mean, I think the person who held her back was George Lucas. I just, I mean, you know, the reality is Lucas hadn't directed anything since like A New Hope. Yeah, that's true. Because he he passed off directing duties for both Empire and Return of the Jedi.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, it was Irvin Kershner and Richard Marquand for those two films, respectively.
0: But he was a writer and a producer. Yeah, I mean he was like a
1: writer that. producer. I'm not knocking his contributions in terms of what he has done for the world of film. Yeah, I mean he's you know one of the ultimate innovators and and creators. But at the same time, I don't think he's a great director. Like no. I don't think that's his strength.
0: No, that's, I mean, that's honestly his problem. He like, it like they get into this in that whole podcast I was talking about, but it's just like he was, he wanted to be an artist first and foremost. Like that was his drive. He just wanted to be involved with like, he wanted to be in control of what he made, mm-hmm. but to a point where like that couldn't really hurt your project. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Because you have to understand that like you don't have strengths in every field, thus You need to hand the reins over to somebody else in that respect. Right. Give them the liner notes, but let the director do their thing. Right. So.
1: And, like, I just – I don't think he's – I mean, I think he's a good visual storyteller. Yeah. But I don't think he's a good actor's director in terms of, like, helping the the actors find what they're really supposed to actually be feeling in a scene.
0: That's true. I
1: mean, I just, like – people will often point to, well, like in the, throughout the prequels, all of them, like mm. there's just this complete like lack of expression. Anytime anything happens.
0: It's true. Yeah. Um, there's, I mean, there's no, so <clears throat> to get at that, the subtle emotion and everything like that, the first time you ever see the Jedi council, yeah, it's just deadpan. Yeah. And I mean, I get the idea that like, okay, okay, are supposed to be selfless, you know, Jedi out to do good and everything like that. But at the same time, it's like, there's no emotion
1: there, right? You know, like how do how do you cast Samuel L. Jackson, this just this unbelievably charismatic, like you know, consummate, like swaggering dude, yeah, and then make him lit- like all he does in the entire film is sit there with his hand on, on his, his chin. chin.
0: You believe it's this boy? Like yeah. that's that, like, that's the biggest line that he has. Yeah. Right? I mean he sh- he doesn't have that much time in the movie right they try and give him a little more in the second one obviously they give him some action and everything like that i think he actually broke out a lot in the third one
1: well like, i agree
0: his like his actual like chops came out that much more yeah but all the same yeah i mean it's, we're talking the first one still yeah that's then, true
1: yeah go ahead. and then there's this thing that lucas does a lot where like he'll have big ensembles speaking of the jedi council mm-hmm. i mean there's 12 people there mm-hmm. not i mean not including like Qui Gon and Obi Wan and Anakin from time to time. Yeah. Um. And literally three people on the council speak.
0: Yeah, that's also true. Everyone else is just kind of like back background. Yeah.
1: We but, never we never hear from Yaril Poof or uh, Plo Deepa Balaba. Yeah, Plo Koon doesn't have any lines. I say Yeah, the other
0: one. Oh man, the other Yoda. Yeah. Oh man. Uh. So yeah, it. I don't know if it's even considered like a wasted thing because I mean, they kind of present it like Ki-Adi-Mundi, Mace Windu, and Yoda are like the, the figureheads. Right. I know? mean, I guess
1: there is, like if you go into the the Wookieepedia mm-hmm. uh, page for it, they talk about like, so those three are like the permanent members, then there's like five long-term members, which includes like Plo Koon. Yeah. Uh, and then like the other, so that's eight. So I guess like the other four are like Floating. rotating. Yeah.
0: That makes sense. That's probably how like, uh, oh, man, this is another one for another episode. I'll, I'll bring it up to you. Uh, but that's how, uh, I'd say like Qui-Gon, he, when he first got offered it, it was right. Probably, it he would have
1: been a rotating, rotating member. member. Yeah. yeah.
0: Cause it, with the other person was retiring, so to speak. Yeah. Um, it's gotta feel good to be a Jedi and retire. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I don't know. Just between all that and then, like, the, you know, all the fighting itself and stuff like that, like, there are moments where it's just, like, it just does not seem like they're in any kind of real danger. Yes. So getting to, like, the big climactic battle. Okay. I know we're kind of jumping forward and everything. We yeah. Should, I, I feel like we should be we'll doing probably this procedurally. Re- like, yeah, well, its all right. <laughs> all I'm getting at is, like, the first time you see, like, the, the Naboo starfighters in flight, like, once they're they're in space and they find the droid control ship or whatever... You just hear, um, oh, I can't think of his name. The Ben. That's Rick. Rick Ollier. Rick Ollier. I'm sorry. Captain Obvious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah where he's just like it, he doesn't scream it. He's not alert. He's not crazy. He kind of it's it's kind of that mood where you're driving down the highway and you see cows in the pasture and you just went <laughs> fighters, cows. coming in. Yeah, yeah, like that's that's all it was. And it was just like fighters, they're coming in. I mean, but like
1: every line he has, because like he also you know pilots the uh, yeah. cruiser. The shield generator has been hit. Yeah. You catch on pretty quick. You catch on pretty quick. (laughs) Coruscant. The whole planet is a city.
0: It's amazing. He he doesn't
1: have anything. He doesn't say anything that isn't visually obvious.
0: Yeah. They blew up the ship. We didn't hit it. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true, though. Oh, poor old man.
1: And I mean, I'm honestly going to try to avoid like bringing up Star Wars Minute too much like in this it's, series of it's fine you got did. all
0: the all their figure on it so but they, yeah right.
1: but they talk about like Rick Ollier in specific because he was like one of like the most marketed characters yeah I uh, had his action figure yeah everything like everybody if you got the if you got the figure.
0: starship you had to have Rick Ollier yeah so but
1: like but everybody was like oh this guy's gonna be like the next Like Han Solo, or maybe he's gonna be like the next Boba Fett, or you know, just like a minor character that gets you know, a lot of love. (laughs) He's just the most boring vanilla character in the history of cinema.
0: And then he just comes and goes. Like he doesn't show up later on. Like you would think that he'd be like part of the escort in Episode Two or something like that or even fighting with the clones in episode three, like they make a big deal out of them. Yeah. But you know, like the only other time I, I remember them even bringing up his name in kind of like EU history is in the Plagueis book.
1: Uh-huh. Cause they
0: talk about like when they're on Naboo and they're going over the N one starfighters, like when they just got announced, it was like, that's Rick Aulier. He's our, you know, he's our first ace or whatever. And he's like, yeah. you're talking about the guy who shot down the asteroid. That's not an ace yeah. or whatever, you know, and like basically just making fun of him right on the spot. So I don't know. It's just a funny little thing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so there's no emotion there. It's just, like, really random. And so what I'm getting at, I think, when I started earlier about, like, how this movie has, like, a lot of everything. Mm-hmm. I think what when I think of that, I always think of the final act, like the third act itself. Uh-huh. It's it, They try to squeeze in so much from the other movies that, like, made it that much more exciting, I feel like. So you start off with... They're in space... No, let me... let me. All right, so they're, they're escaping Naboo and they're going through the blockade or whatever. Mm-hmm. You can kind of give that the reference of like the Millennium Falcon escaping the Death Star, right? Mm-hmm. And then once they're on Coruscant and everything's kind of taken care of... Oh, no, no, no. The I'd say the pod, the, the pod racing is kind of reminiscent of how the snow speeders were because it was just fast-paced. Not so much like you're watching it to see who won, but it's like that speed and excitement you get from it, right? Right, yeah. And then you fast-forward all the way to the last act and the only other movie that ever did anything like this before was Return of the Jedi. Uh-huh. And it was the whole, they fought him, you know, they fought him in the air, they fought him in the sea, they fought him in the Death Star. Yeah. They did the exact well, same
1: thing. Yeah. So, well, and this is actually a, like a George Lucas trope. Is right. that, so in each film, he added one more action to the final battle exactly so like in a new hope it's just the death star trench run right then in empire strikes back it's luke invader and, and then and leia, leia and lando escaping, like, escaping. yeah and, and then, then in jedi it's uh, everything yeah you got I mean, the it's... lightsaber
0: fight you got the space battle you've got and then you the have battle the Endor Endor battle. And yeah and it's just it i mean it, i love it because it's just that much involved like there's so much at stake you see right. just how vast like the you know the, the the battle itself is yeah but yeah so but
1: so, but so then he tries to cram in like four different events into this fairly small isolated conflict
0: yeah so we got the gungans yes gungans versus the droids then you have the uh the imperial well i mean the royal troops right like with queen abdallah storming the theed palace yeah then you got uh Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon going up against Darth Maul where's the lightsaber battle. Yes. And then the space,
1: and then battle, the space battle.
0: With Anakin and Rick Ollier, the hero, yeah. you know. So anyways, um I think the best way to actually go about this is uh let's kind of proffer like do you have a scene All right, so let me think about this. When you actually watch this, mm-hmm. is there is there a scene that you actually look forward to? Like, is, is there a favorite scene of yours that you look forward to that isn't super obvious that you think or anything like that? But so just saying, I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to think <laughs> of the best way to phrase it. Like It isn't
1: super obvious. I'm not really sure. Because, I mean, I think even though I have previously on this show been mm-hmm. kind of somewhat critical of some of the lightsaber battles Yeah. Uh, in the prequels, just because I just think it's sword dancing and not so much. Like it's fighting. like it goes beyond the realm of the realistic. Yeah. Um, but I do, I mean, you can't really beat the Qui-Gon Obi-Wan Maul fight at no. the end.
0: I mean, I, I agree with that. It, that that was the one thing that would bring everyone back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the music for it and everything. Like, yeah. It was
1: just. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as soon as the door opens and it just kind of cuts into.
0: Doo, doo. Yeah. Toilet toaster that's all I ever you say. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, I, I I agree with that. I think for me, besides that, I think it's always good to be the pod racing, right. And uh, like I was saying earlier, that since I was watching the blu ray version, it has the extra scenes and everything like that. Yes, so it kind of adds to it. But yeah,
1: I will actually, I do have an answer for that, okay. And this is I mean, this is one of my one of like the big pluses, I think, in the the movie is overall, I think the villain quality is good. Like in terms of, I mean, Sidious and Palpatine, like every scene with Ian McDermott is just, is my favorite.
0: It is good. Yeah. <laughs> I will actually, I, I, I agree with you. Cause I was watching the, you know, the actual Senate hearing and everything when they were uh-huh. doing the vote of no confidence, but like just seeing the way that like, Palpatine came right up into her ear like literally just putting the thoughts into her head just being like and here's where the bureaucrats come in and they uh-huh. will sh- like zap his strength Me- away. Yeah.
1: Meanwhile, it's literally like Palpatine's best friend Masamita like. Yeah. Just-,
0: just helping him out or something <laughs> yeah. like that.
1: Directly, consequentially, you know, altering the, the history of the galaxy, if you will.
0: It's It's ridiculous. <laughs> and I don't know if it's because I've like listened to so many books that involve like Senate hearings and anything anymore. But uh-huh. like. I have I have a firm like a, a much firmer grasp on like not so much how it's supposed to work legitimately, but like just what the you know what to expect because mm. I mean I think they've just kind of established that like all politicians in the Star Wars universe are either backstabbers or they're super nice people like it's yeah. it's either one or the other you can't have it both ways yeah but I don't know I I, I do I like the idea that Ian McDermott uh just I mean he pours everything into his scenes and it just it jumps off
1: yeah i mean one one you know kind of perspective that i've heard a number of times of people that kind of defend the uh the phantom menace and the prequels overall is that you have to look at it from the perspective that palpatine is actually the hero of these stories. Why kinda, not? Kinda, I mean, we've had this discussion before about like Avengers infinity war in particular.
0: Thanos was the hero yeah. more than anything else. Yeah. As much as everyone hates to admit it, but yeah. like that was his story.
1: Yeah. And I mean, just like, I mean, he's just like Palpatine is just so cartoonishly like manipulative. It's, it's, it's but it works so well.
0: It, it's exactly right. All right. So, I uh, i'd like to think i know what i thought of it like when i was you know seeing it for the first time however old i was uh-huh. but for you like i don't know how you know de- like de- like deaf your 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 knowledge was of star wars at the time but i never knew the emperor as emperor palpatine i always just right. knew him as just the, emperor.
1: the emperor yeah
0: yeah and so like I don't know how long it took for me to actually put two and two together that Palpatine was Sidious, mm-hmm. but did it work for you? Like, how did it come out for you?
1: Well, this, and this is actually a great question. Like, I mean, I feel like I probably always assumed that, or at least I drew the line between, like, Darth Sidious to the Emperor. Mm-hmm. And then it was, like, you know, explained by the final action in. Uh, the Phantom Menace, when uh, he when Palpatine talks about, we'll watch your uh, career with great interest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. like I feel like I probably had figured it out by then. But I am trying to think like when they actually made some of those changes, like if that stuff was done in the special edition, like mm-hmm. the ninety seven special editions,
0: where they really, um,
1: what because the original, I mean, because obviously Ian McDiarmid plays the emperor in return of the jedi right but in the in empire strikes back it was not ian mcdermott
0: no it was i mean it was more of anything else it was like a mask right it was like (laughs) well it it was was like a claymation or something like that. the original anyways
1: yeah the guy who did it i forget his name now but it was like his wife like dressed up and like had all this crazy prosthetics on and then, the and then he superimposed monkey eyes onto oh. her face to oh. give it that kind of like weird, flow. weird alien visage. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, you know what? That makes more sense. Cause like, it's like I said, like you never actually saw who he was right. until there was a return of the Jedi. Yeah. It was actually portrayed by a McDermott then. Yeah. But then you flat, like you, you know, you 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 back to these movies now. Like, us being as young as we were, I don't think we were paying attention to the top build cast. Right. So, like, we, I don't think we would have made put two and two together of Ian McDermott or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, you look at these movies as they're coming around, like, it looked like Palpatine and Sidious were two separate people. Right. And that's exactly what it was supposed to be. Yeah. You know, it was just supposed to be like, the, you know, they're two different sides of the same coin or whatever. It's just like... I don't even know if it hit me until Return of the Jedi, or until it, it was Revenge like of the Revenge Sith. Revenge of the Sith, yeah. But I feel like at one point I realized it was him or Yeah. Something. I don't know.
1: I mean, it definitely, I mean, maybe not... At The Phantom Menace, but, pro- but probably certainly by Attack of the Clones anyway. Right, <laughs> like, right. B- by the time I was 13 and like had a little bit more critical thinking skills. <laughs> some started to click in. Yeah. <laughs> and you figure we, you know, we, we
0: re-watched these movies so many times as kids mm. that like this kind of stuff just gets ingrained. Right. You know, the stupidest little details of everything, like it just clicks with you. Yeah. Um, But to get back at the whole switcheroo thing, uh-huh. let me ask you this. Did you... Have any inkling that Natalie Portman <laughs> was also going to be Queen Amidala? Because as far as we knew, like they yeah. they they profited uh, Natalie Portman as just being one of the handmaidens, right? And they pulled that part off, and then yes. all of a sudden, Padme's like, "I'm gonna go, you know, into town with Qui Gon." Yeah, and there's just nothing suspicious about that, I guess.
1: Well, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I feel like they they intentionally try to deceive that. Like, why on earth is like Sabe, why is Kira Knightley telling the actual queen to go clean up R two D two for his heroic deeds?
0: That's actually true. Like, yeah.
1: that doesn't make any sense.
0: She's got to keep her cover, or something like that. Yeah,
1: but there's like uh, literally a dozen other handmaid.
0: Yeah, it's like send her, but it might have looked suspicious. That's the, I, maybe that's the the, the plan guess. they were going
1: I mean, for. I mean, maybe the the plan is that they wanted her to look like more of a handmaiden of action. That she wasn't just like, oh, I'll do your hair now, your highness, yeah, or like whatever. She's, she's like that, she's to more, risk. yeah, like that. She's more of an active handmaiden or whatever. But like, I don't know. I don't really think, and like. Honestly, the, the moment where she actually reveals herself to be to, the queen, yeah, to be the queen, like to boss Nass, mm-hmm. and like then there's that cutaway. Well, the, so the first there's the cutaway to Anakin, and, and
2: what, <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> which is I, that's one a, of the best reaction faces yeah. ever. Yes, that is like eight year old acting at its peak. It's
0: like that's a bad smell look, it's yeah, like you just smelled something funky, yeah.
1: But then, like you know, then the next image goes over to uh, Obi Wan and Qui Gon, and like Obi Wan has this like smirk, like "Yeah, I knew that."
0: Yeah, and so did Qui Gon for that matter. I yeah, feel like too. She like knew from the start. So, I, you know me. I I I recently read the the Queen Shadow book, mm-hmm. and so going through the first episode again and like kind of like studying the handmaidens and the queen and like how they worked and everything like that was. Just a little bit more interesting now, because Mm. you know what exactly they're packing. Yeah. Like, each handmaiden is, you know, an expert in hand-to-hand combat and, you know, just all this kind of stuff. You know, they're willing to do anything to lay down their lives for their queen. And, like, not to mention, like, the queen herself, or at least, uh, what's her name, Sabe?
1: Sabe. Sabe,
0: who's taking the place of, uh, you know, Natalie for the most part. She um like the the dress that she wears for the most of it like the red dress with like the big headpiece like i said like it's actually like an escape pod she can go full turtle and hide in the shell if like there's orbital bombardment or some yeah. shit like it, it's <laughs> just the way it's designed
1: nice swear word there did i swear <laughs> yeah <laughs> what did i say we'll talk about it later Dang it. Uh, <laughs> um but my one of my favorite <laughs> continuity errors and this actually Segues to one of my biggest gripes with this film. Okay. Is that, like, you know, it was the most hyped film as I've discussed, like, ever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, like, Lucas was working on it for years. I mean, there's literally, like, he did an interview in 1995 where he was talking about, well, I've been working on the draft. We're still working on the draft. We're hoping to get started late 1997 or whatever it is. Yeah. So, like, I mean, he had all this time. And, like, I just feel like the editing is just not good in no. the film.
0: I mean, it, 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 he has all of but, his standard sweeps and whatnot.
1: Yeah. I mean, the the, uh, the transitions are fine. Yeah. I have no problem with that. But there's just... So, in, in the first scene that we see the queen, when the invasion is arriving, and mm-hmm. when, like, Newt Gunray and, uh... What's his face? Who's... Rune Hako. Arrive. Okay. okay. Uh... They like there's the image of the queen just like looking out the window, and presumably you would like think that she would actually be looking at people out there like in you know in disarray. getting murdered or something. Yeah, yeah. she's <laughs> watching in disbelief. Yeah, something but, like that. First off, there's nothing, there's like, there's never any indication that there is an actual invasion happening.
0: Yeah, it's just a matter of like, there you at one point you see a row of, I think, tanks or something like that. Yeah. Going down the center of feed.
1: Yeah. And she's but looking no at it. That's, no people. Yeah. Well, that, you know what? You're right. <laughs> but, but secondly, I don't want to actually de- derail it here. <laughs> but so in that scene, that's like when the dress is illuminated mm-hmm. you can literally see the power the, the cord. the
0: power cord right 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 i heard about that yeah
1: <laughs> and like it's still there in the blu-ray version like you You'd like think if, that
0: they would just go back and, yeah
1: i mean this guy who can't help but tinker and like do all these things that we don't want to yeah. this like in the special editions and he can't remove the power cord
0: <laughs> it's ridiculous oh my god i don't know i i know they explain that scene in the book too and stuff like that but it it's never anything like oh well there's a the power cord because she had to charge her turtle shell or something like that you know
1: yeah oh my goodness
0: excuse me it's early boarding um, <laughs> it's not that <laughs> early anymore but... uh, well come on I was up late um, that's fair <laughs> but yeah um, so it's I mean it's just it's it's interesting and like you're right like as much as much nitpicking as he could have done with anything else. Like yeah. the structure is a little lopsided. Right. When it comes and, the, to that. and
1: there's just other scenes that were removed for no real good reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, one of them. So one of the scenes that I've never, ever understood is like how it immediately goes from like the one probe droid reports back to Maul, Yeah. And then the very next scene is mall like fighting Qui-Gon. Yeah. And it's like, okay, how did we get there? And the reason being is, apparently, when they're leaving, when Qui-Gon and Anakin are leaving, he encounters one of the probe droids and destroys it. Qui-Gon does. Oh, okay. And they filmed it. The scene apparently exists in at least some rough form somewhere. But they decided to cut it from the film.
0: You know, that even makes more sense, because at one point, like... uh, All right, so... Right before that scene kicks off, it you see Qui-Gon and Anakin, uh-huh. and then, like, the the ship is, what, less than 100 feet away? Yeah. Right? And qui just going about it, Like, he's going in a fast, like, a fast yeah, walk. Like
1: he, yeah, he's, like, walking fast, and, like, Anakin's trying to run, but he's... He's like, Mr. Qui-Gon, like, sir, yeah.
0: slow down, I'm tired, yeah. or whatever. And yeah. he's just like, Anakin, drop! And yeah. that makes much more sense now. Yeah, because he's like, why is he rushing? <laughs> like, you can you could probably carry Anakin for goodness' sake, right? Exactly, like especially
1: well, and that's another <laughs> that's ah, another right. issue that I have is the intermittent ability of Force powers in the film.
0: Right? Yeah, it's like, like, where it's like it could work or it couldn't work. But yeah. that's what I always say about the Force is like it could be that Deus Ex Machina that would just kind of ruin all the you know yeah. the, the illusion.
1: Yeah, you know, and like the the older I get, the more I'm like, yeah, you know what, like, I don't, I don't really want the force to be that big. Like, it should just be like, you know, basically like a, you know, like a Shaolin monk kind of state of being, where it's just like, you know, it's more about the training and the, you know, the the sort of mental focus that you have on things, which is a line that Qui Gon uses. Yeah, like concentrate your thoughts, uh, your your focus determines your reality i think is what he says something like that yeah um which to me sounds perfectly adequate
0: feel don't think use your instincts yeah i think that's what he says yeah but there's uh,
1: like you know like that is better than like some of the stuff that we see them able to do like like we see in the very first couple scenes of the film that Apparently Jedi have like super speed run.
0: Yeah, they have a force dash.
1: But so then where does that go?
0: <laughs> for the rest of the yeah. series.
1: Like yeah, for the rest of the series, but especially in the Phantom Menace with the uh the gates of oh my God!
0: Right, yeah. It looks like it sanctions Obi Wan from everybody else. Like he yeah. could have just force dash his way through there and yeah. got there.
1: And he could have gotten there in plenty of time. But yeah. instead he's just just on, just doing yeah. his
0: thing, twirling as he goes. I love yeah. that. But yeah, but maybe he wasn't focused. Like he was unsure of himself. There's a whole. I'm sure there's an explanation out there for anything. You know what I'm saying? Like, but I
1: don't want that. Explanation. I know. I
0: know. I know. That's all I'm saying is like that. They, they realize their mistakes and then they make books about it. That's right.
1: <laughs> well, that, well, exactly. They, they let these other people that probably get paid, you know, like $20,000 for their efforts. I to mean, do it's the not, critical yeah, thinking. Yeah, to actually do the hard work. So... While, you know, billionaire George Lucas is just like, I'm just a big picture guy.
0: Yeah. All right. So let's let's round this out a little bit. Um, I got three questions for you and we'll just, we'll kind of air it out with that. Okay. Um... We already did favorite scenes, so let me just say this. Do you have a favorite line? And if so, what is it?
1: How wooed.
0: How wooed. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, that's a
1: direct quote. It's because that's something that C-3PO says.
0: Uh, my favorite is "Fudo" from uh, Sobalba when he loses, personally. <laughs> All right. Uh, second one. Uh, do you have a favorite new like character that was introduced in this movie that isn't, you know obvious like you know older or younger you know it's not obi-wan it's not anakin or anything like that you know it's like is there a character that like stood out for you that like you genuinely like
1: well my answer and this gets at something else that i guess i've been thinking on is i mean it's darth maul of course i could see that obviously but i was having this thought i mean obviously we know like the whole story of maul in terms of the clone wars right. and to rebels etc his passion to
0: kill ben yes canoe but
1: ben. like there's really to me there there's zero reason why darth maul couldn't have been darth tyrannis and been the leader of the separatists. And if you're really that concerned about like, well, Ray Park's just not a good actor. Like we can't have him saying all these lines. What if you do something where like he suffers a facial injury?
0: It could be, yeah. I mean like Obi-Wan could have just slashed him across the frickin' face. Yeah. And thus he would have had a respirator. He would have had a respirator
1: and it would have been super easy to just give him a fake voice yeah. easier. Cause I mean, he is dubbed. I mean, it's not like, it's, yeah. I mean, that's like a star Wars time honor tradition. Like, Dubbing. Like yeah, like three quarters of all of the lines in in the original are actually dubbed by people oh, working yeah. in Northern California.
0: No, it makes it makes perfect sense. I, that's a that's a really good point. Um, I I always kind of go back towards like I I remember when it came out like I was big on Sabulba and like the Doug species. Yeah. I always thought they were really interesting. Um, otherwise, well, I was,
1: well, was kind of talking about the. Um, like the villains of the film overall. And it's like, I mean, I genuinely feel like from top to bottom, like with kind of like Sabalba as like the The the, low tier, the low tier, like (laughs) middle of the game type of boss.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Like he's just perfect and just,
0: he's slimy. He's like, he's like, I don't know. He's shady. Yeah. And he's, he wants to win at all costs, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then you
1: have the mall and the, the uh, palps above him.
0: So, all right. And then, so for the last one, um, I'm gonna ask this about every movie because I feel like every movie, regardless of good, or, you know, good intentions or not, or whatever the case may be, it always is. It will always have amazing sound design. Yes. And so, to that end, without I mean, no music or anything like that. Is there a favorite sound effect for you that pops up? That's like brand new to the series.
1: Mine would be Saboba's pod racer.
0: There it is. You took it right out of my head. Yeah, just that. Do, 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 like, especially towards the end of the race when it's just him and Anakin, and he yeah. comes right up on Anakin's pod. Yeah, and, and it
1: just drowns out every other sound so, effect. Yeah, it's so
0: loud and like gets your heart pumping and everything like that because you feel like oh, you can like feel it on the back of your neck. Yeah, like they do such a great job with that. Yeah, so that's In- yeah. I don't know.
1: Incidentally. I mean, I know I literally just spent, like, five minutes complaining <laughs> about the actual editing of the film. Right. But this was, like, the first film that Ben Burt worked as a video editor for as mm. well. Okay. Um, as, you know, in addition to doing the sound design.
0: Well, I was to say, um, I've watched this thing, the you know, I forget what it was the other day, but it was it, someone who was, like, an effects artist, like, you know, like, CGI artist, uh-huh. uh, was going over, like, you know, special effects from, you know, like movies from... Uh, you know, years on, I don't know, Uh however you However, Over the years. Over the years. And one of the ones he brought up was episode one, and it was, he said that, like, the thing that was most remarkable about, like, the way that the pod racing was done was the fact that, like, they were able to replicate the heat Uh on the desert. Yeah. They said when it comes to, like, you know, doing that kind of stuff in post-edit, like, it's impossible to get that kind of mirage, right? Uh And thus, like, when they actually did everything to the pod racing itself, like you could see the heat coming off of the sand and like, it just, it looked so real Uh and not to mention like the crashes themselves. Like they went out of their way. Like they actually like researched like NASCAR crashes and stuff like that to see Uh how the engines would flip and stuff like that. So it's interesting the like the, 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 the research, like the way that they did it. Like it's Mm -hmm. just interesting how they did it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I like, Overall, and we haven't actually really spent all that much time on the pod race. Um, I, I, I mean, overall, I kind of have a very mixed feeling about it. Yeah. You know, like the technical achievement of the pod race is unbelievable. Like, oh, yeah. You know, to think about what it does look like, you know, and it was made 20 years ago, like, and they, it still, and it still definitely holds up and, and looks awesome. And And you're right. Like a lot of the innovations they made in terms of being able to capture the effect of it, but it's also so long and so unnecessary (laughs) i
0: know i know that's just more to you know everyone kind of just looks at the prequels as they were money-making machines like it was it was a big toy sale kind of well no
1: doubt i mean the you know in in the pod racing game is oh my god probably probably definitely one of the best selling at least console exclusive yeah Uh, it was n64 yeah all you could play it on yeah
0: but yeah that was always fun and i i mean like i said I, i'll still come back to it every once in a while and play the hell out of it just yeah. cause i want to do it
1: who's your favorite pod racer
0: oh it's um it's the guy who has the full pod because like most pod racers have the uh the, like the, the open the,
1: cockpit the,
0: the open cockpit plus the i mean they, they all have the wires uh-huh. connecting them to the pods yeah whereas this character had his pod it like his cockpit in the front and it was attached to his engines. I can't think of his freaking name. I mean some of the obvious ones are like Odie Mendrel, Ben Quadronero. But this guy, he was like um, he was like a little bat winged character. Let me think about this. Uh, you know what? What's that on the top right? Nivaki. Key. Yes, that's Neva Key. Neva Key was always my favorite because he had the fastest pod. Yeah. Like, but he was also the most dangerous at the same time. Because uh-huh. you try and like, you try and boost with that, it boosts that much faster than any other pod in the game. Uh-huh. And then once you boost with it, it just, you blow up like on impact. Like, so you have to be real careful with it, uh-huh. especially because Neva Key just, the way he talks was like, he was just a, he kind of sounded like a, uh, a, a, uh, Kowakian monkey lizard. He sounded like a, uh, what's his face? Um, salacious crumb. Okay. Like what he laughed. <laughs> yeah. He was like,
1: Chaboo! Yeah. yeah I know I know what you're saying now, I feel like the one i I honestly don't really have an answer to this yeah. I used to like i mean i uh, there's Odie Mandrell, yeah, I mean Odie Mandrell, the one that I always hear uh a lot of is gascano,
0: yes gascano Gasgano, however you say it. Yeah. four armed guy yes, he's great, I like him,
1: yeah, but like, i like I always wished better for um Uh, Ben Quadranaris. Because he never even got a chance.
0: Yeah. (laughs) yeah. I mean like you think about it he has four engines and it's like well he's obviously has the best chance because he has the most like power. Yeah. And he's just whata whata. And he's just like (laughs) tapping the screen. Yeah. (laughs) Poor guy. He just never he never had a chance.
1: Cowering in fear. Yeah. As like Suburban goes right past him. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I don't know. All right. So I will add one last bit to this. Um, We were talking about deleted scenes and everything like that. Uh There's a deleted scene from uh, the pod racing section that they got rid of because it was too sad. Yes. Do you know? I know exactly what you're talking
1: about. I can't. I I can't. I think it's Rats Tyrell.
0: Rats Tyrell. Yeah. He was like, he was embracing his family. Yes. His wife had like three or four kids, like basically crawling all over her, and like. And then. It was like, so, the, the, he's the one who screams in the tunnel. Yeah,
1: he's the one that crashes in the tunnel.
0: And like, like it yeah. just sounds like weird and blows up, explosion. Now, you see the original cut of the film. That happens and you're just kind of like, oh, man, they narrowly avoided that one. But if you saw the original cut, well, the, you know, before the pre, it was cut, yeah. pre-cut. It, as soon as that happens, it flashes to his wife, just uh-huh.
2: oh
0: like yeah. super like depressed. And it's like, what the
1: no? You can yeah, you can actually still see his wife and their little children walking behind. Like it's it's after the race when Qui Gon is meeting with Wado to right right to collect his winnings, if you will. You can see them walking. away. You can see them walking past. That's um, so sad. Yeah, and and apparently he is the only the only racer who actually dies like all the other crashes it's the racers survive it's so. insane that, yeah. that
0: that works that way yeah think about how much money you must have to like have like sponsorships and stuff like that yeah i mean you guess i mean guess if you're relating it to nascar and everything like that like that's half the reason like most nascar drivers have the sponsorships yeah is to keep their cars working yeah but so like you know you don't see any obvious like ink work or anything like that like there's no like sunoko on the side of sebulba's thing or right like that, but, but i always
1: kind of thought like the flags could symbolize yeah, something
0: that's true it's either like it's their home world or it's just they're representing themselves or something like right. that who knows yeah. that's interesting so yeah i don't know I like I said. I, I mean, I'm always going to enjoy the pod racing. I think yeah. anyone, like even if you're just watching it out of random, yeah, you can't you can't go wrong. And this is
1: like, and this is George Lucas's ultimate fan, like boyhood dream brought to life. Just oh. like, I mean, we talked about his you know his hot. history as a hot rodder. Yeah, and like I mean, obviously his first. First, uh, you know, critically acclaimed film before Star Wars was American Graffiti, which was all about hot rodding. Yes, exactly. So <laughs> makes perfect. And this, sense. Is, this is just it on a literally intergalactic scale.
0: Well, so like Anakin's Anakin's actual pod, like when you listen to the sound engineering on it, like mm. it sounds just like a souped up like F like an F one car. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it has that like snarl to it. Yeah. You know. So I don't know. I appreciate that, but I mean, there's just so much to enjoy about it. But you're right. Like in the long run. There's no real reason to have it other than mm-hmm. just like, all right, we're setting Anakin free. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. And we're literally going to, it is exactly 10 minutes from the time the flag bearers come out to the time that he crosses the finish line. I'm wow. not even kidding. It's exactly 10 minutes of film.
0: Well, I mean, it's exciting. <laughs> Maybe they thought it was just kind of like doll up until then, you know, yeah. or something, but yeah. that's just it. Well, and,
1: I mean, I think that's, you know, one of the underlying mm-hmm. points about this film being for children is like any child would come away from that scene being like that was awesome oh yeah not thinking about well d- does this matter
0: yeah no that's just so <laughs> true I like I mean I think I was like well I even said as much I had Gascano on my freaking birthday cake that uh, year yeah and my mom knew I would loved it and like I got the you know the Sabalba I feel like I got the combo like Sabalba Anakin Lego set yeah and stuff like that because it was just so cool like you wanted it you know so yeah. Oh, it's insane. But, I don't know. I, I think that kind of covers it, right? Yeah. For the most part, do you have anything else you kind of want to bring up? Final thoughts?
1: The only other thing I was going to mention, and this doesn't have to be any point at all, um, <laughs> is uh, in terms of other Star Wars connections, mm-hmm. uh, Carrie Fisher did a script, some script doctoring for this film.
0: I didn't know that. Yeah.
1: How so? Uh, I mean, she just rewrote some of the dialogue but she wasn't allowed to do a whole lot apparently um and apparently lucas particularly in this film and and we'll get into this the next time we we do attack of the clones in terms of his you have to read the script versus improvise stuff yeah um but he was not willing to let like any improv go uh well
0: yeah it's probably for the best Uh, who knows (laughs) who
1: knows (laughs) yeah i don't know that the improv is necessarily better
0: Mm. I mean, it depends on like the situation. Like, if it's a truly dire situation, do not improv. Yeah. But if you're actually trying to go for a laugh, then you could probably pull it off. Yeah. And I don't know. Oh well. So that was our uh, fan or uh, Phantom Menace review. Um, again, this is the first part in our eight part series i guess you could say i I don't even know if that's the best way to really describe it or not but i think
1: that's a fine way to describe it yeah
0: this is our movie review section and so we hope you guys liked it uh if there's is there anything you guys uh you know want to say about the movie that maybe we didn't bring up you have any kind of disagreements or uh encouragements one way or the other however you want to put it uh let us know check us out as always, on uh, you know our Facebook page, Greeter House or Greeter Shot First Podcast. Uh, check us out, Reggie's House uh, Apple Podcasts, anywhere else you actually get your podcast, where you can listen to it. And while you're at Reggie's House Podcast, do not forget to check out the Rust Belt Wrister's and the games in that podcast. And I mean, from all of us here, me and Andrew and Callie, that's about it. <laughs> Thank you, and I had a great time. Did you have a good time?
1: It's a boring conversation anyway.
0: I bet it was.